Welcome to the Organic Wine Podcast. This is Adam Huss coming to you from Los Angeles, California. Thanks so much for listening. I've become convinced that vines and trees are talking to me, teaching me. Multiple guests I've interviewed give credit in one way or another to the plants themselves for the wisdom they've gained in relation to how to live and farm. More and more, as I've worked with plants and observed them and listened with that part of myself that doesn't hear in words, I've begun to realize they are teaching me. As I've eaten them and drank their fruit, they have changed my mind and body as they become part of it, as they become part of me. In fact, there's a rise in the ingestion of mind-changing plants and fungi. I think they've begun doing this for more and more of us who have been long separated from them because things have gotten so extreme that survival is actually a question rather than an assumption. The interesting thing is that I don't think the plants are worried about themselves. I think they're trying to wake us up. I think they may be trying to save us. My guest for this episode is Ryland Engelhart. Ryland co-founded Kiss the Ground in 2013 and leads the organization as executive director, producer of the Kiss the Ground film, and host of the Kiss the Ground podcast, all of which I highly recommend checking out. As a 15-year entrepreneur, he is also the co-owner and prior mission fulfillment officer of the nationally recognized plant-based restaurants Cafe Gratitude and Gracias Madre, located here in Southern California. And he does so much more. I met Ryland at a vineyard in Santa Barbara that has been purchased for the express purpose of converting it from a conventional and extractive form of viticulture to a regenerative organic ranch. The occasion of our meeting was a fundraiser for Kiss the Ground, the organization. And if you haven't seen the film documentary, Kiss the Ground, I can't recommend it enough. It's the movie that introduced regenerative agriculture to over 10 million viewers worldwide. If you're a Netflix subscriber, you can watch it tonight. And you should. Let me speak plainly. Regardless of what kind of agriculture you're in, whether it's viticulture, pomiculture, or otherwise, regenerative agriculture is the best solution to industrial agriculture's degradation of our environment. If you're wondering what exactly regenerative agriculture is, Ryland gives a great explanation right at the beginning of this conversation. Ryland may be regenerative agriculture's biggest spokesperson. And in this conversation, he talks about wine's unique ability to communicate the story and benefits of regenerative agriculture. There's something infectiously hopeful about listening to Ryland speak. He's brutally honest about the realities we face, but he also has a long view perspective that is rare. He's at the center of a growing global movement that is heading in the right direction. And it's hard not to come away feeling that he's not just a spokesperson for Kiss the Ground, but he's actually a spokesperson for the earth and the vines and the plants themselves. If you enjoy this podcast and want to support it, there are several ways you can. The most crucial support is financial. And there's a link to our Patreon page in the show notes. Thank you for those of you who have recently subscribed. It's a huge help and I'm so grateful for your support. So if you haven't subscribed, you can do that there. You can also leave a great review on your podcast platform of choice. And we're currently looking for sponsors who share the values that we promote on this podcast. If you'd like to contact me, please feel free to reach me at info at centraliswine.com. That's info at C-E-N-T-R-A-L-A-S-Wine.com. Enjoy. Ryland, thanks for doing this. Welcome. You're welcome, Adam. Thanks for the invitation. (laughs) And it was great to meet you uh, a few weeks back uh, up in San Inez. 
and uh, yeah, thanks for following up, and thanks for thanks for spending your time sharing beautiful earth-centered stories uh, through the through the hourglass of wine. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it. No, I, I mean that's my pleasure, and that was such a lovely event that you know you were responsible for in in large part and um you know that's where we met and it's probably a good place to start um just in terms of what you were doing there and why you were doing that uh we were on the San Inez ranch I think they're calling it now it used to be Bridalwood um and yeah just a I mean, you feel free to talk about, you know, why you ended up there and why that was, you know, that was chosen as the place for what we were doing there. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So uh, we were, yeah, in San Inez on a uh, a ranch, a vineyard that's been recently purchased um, by a gentleman named Scott Ulrich and who's part of a group called Chapter 3. And they're a group of childhood friends who have gotten together in their sort of third chapter of life. Um, ah, to, is that where the name comes from? Yeah. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah, to 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 do something. You know, they've they've had their own level of sort of individual success, and you know, made it in their own sort of own right and now they wanted to come together to see how they could collectively uh put their efforts and energies to giving back um and creating uh a level of contribution or legacy or making a difference on the planet um or to the world at large and uh, they saw and got connected to the work of regenerative agriculture through uh, seeing the Kiss the Ground film, um, which is a, a documentary film that came out on Netflix uh, two Septembers ago. And uh, it's been seen by over 10 million people and is really being used as a tool um, to easily and in a very digestible way, communicate the optimistic and hopeful path of regenerative agriculture being a solution to uh, our climate crisis, our water crisis, and our human health crisis. And that when we take care of soil, uh, nature, ecology, the the systems of uh yeah the systems of life can better thrive um whereas when we're degrading soil it's kind of like the basis of a civilization is our soil that you know i think uh robert or not um fdr franklin d roosevelt said you know a nation that destroys their soil destroys themselves and we as kiss the ground and as the initiative that we set forth most recently called regenerate america um 
is, you know, we, we say that a nation that rebuilds their soil rebuilds themselves. And, you know, that the film, mm. the Kiss the Ground film, really painted this beautiful visual experiential story of having audiences get brought into a very hopeful, hopeful um, narrative around, you know, what is the future of life on earth and can we, you know, are we going to just continue to destroy and degrade and extract and degenerate or is there a, a new possible relationship that we have to nature? And I say new in that it's new for the majority of the collective. It may not be new for some cultures, um, you know, indigenous cultures, um, place-based, land-based, more agrarian-based cultures um, where because they were more connected to the land and they're more connected to the layers of life that they saw themselves as oh, how to be a what's called a, a, a keystone species in an ecosystem where when we play our right role, our right relationship in nature, that nature under in, in all the sort of um, layers of ecology beneath our action um, or connected to our action actually can thrive inside of how we are behaving. And, you know, there's a, a possibility of, and there's a lot of examples of um, agricultural systems that are showing that while we're producing, you know, the goods, you know, the fruits, the crops, the um, the yields, the harvest, the ecosystem doesn't degrade, even though we are harvesting off the top, you know. And so, it's yeah. you know could be could be seen as a um, you know un you know un, uh, some could say yeah sounds sounds like a utopian idea that is never gonna work or doesn't work in reality, um, and. You know, some can have that position, um, but we we've we've as an organization, um, we we found I, I, I co-founded an organization um, with one of my good childhood friends uh, over ten years ago in Venice, California, about um, and called Kiss the Ground, um, which is inspired by a Rumi quote, the poet, which says. Let the beauty you love be all that you do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. And, mm. you know, that really expresses to me, uh, you know, there's lots of ways to love. There's lots of ways to make a difference. And, um, and specifically in relationship to the earth. Um, and, when I learned that soil was such an important basis for a healthy environment, a healthy climate, a healthy food um, system. And delicious wine, I should and say. And delicious, deli exactly, the tuar, <laughs> yeah, the, exactly, that the soil, the, 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 the aliveness of the soil 
makes the aliveness of our taste buds dance. The, yeah. the someone someone liked to say that the um, the soil is the ecstatic skin of the earth, and that ecstatic when that when that soil is alive with biology uh, and microbes and life, that means there can be a lot more nutrients transferring into those plants um, or those vines or those trees. And in turn, those fruits have a, a more vibrant, alive flavor that uh, dances on our tongue. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean, uh, thanks for jumping right into that, because I was going to ask you, you know, in, in relation to in relation to growing things like, uh, you know, the, the, the plants that give us wine, what is the importance of regenerative agriculture? But you 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 jumped right into that. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of went on a, 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 a long, windy path from where we were in San Inez, which we were at a, a, a fundraiser event for the nonprofit organization that I founded. And Chapter 3, Scott, Stephen, um, who's part of Chapter 3, uh, Dan, also part of Chapter 3, Rick, um, these gentlemen got together, put on this amazing event. Um, in yeah, this it really was. incredible vineyard um, that has gone from a conventional commercial uh, sort of wine production system to they're now in transition to be um, producing grapes in a um, regenerative way, which ultimately, in a very simplistic way, regenerative agriculture is producing a you know some kind of crop yield from the land but instead of the land degrading um over time in production it actually is enhancing it's it's um regenerating well in production so how do we yeah yeah so i think that's um in a in a very simplistic form regenerative agriculture is uh, a farm in production of producing a yield a crop um, something that's ultimately, um, you know, producing, you know, the farm is a, a profitable, a, a business that's profiting economically, but also the farm is ecologically, um, prospering and, 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 and getting healthier year after year. Right. You know, I, I just as you were talking and you you quoted the Rumi poem from which Kiss the Ground gets the title, um, I think this is there's like a secret message in this, in your in the title of this, which is um Kiss the Ground, it it clearly, you know, just on the surface seems and and is about gratitude, you know, about you know, thanking, being grateful for this earth that sustains us. Um Oh and loving God. it, you know, yeah. love yeah. and gratitude. But then the secret, I think, is the humility that is required to have that gratitude, the kneeling part that comes before that. Mm. And mm. Yes, Adam. Wow, you're dropping it. I love this. Most people don't, don't, don't back, you know, they're just like, okay, kiss the ground, love the earth, okay, love the soil, okay. Um, but kneel and kiss the ground. Thank you for bringing that secret 
to the to the forefront. Yes, this is brilliant. <laughs> John, I like what you're. What you're doing. <laughs> yeah, no, I I mean, just as you're talking about the, the sort of the, this global system and the, and you know, it's just you think about what we we the this attitude of of whatever it is of dominance is and then you you start comparing it to you know not all not all cultures are like that you know there are these indigenous cultures cultures that are tied to the ground you know tied to the earth a little more closely where regenerative agriculture is is much more the norm and you know i think i think the the idea that we you know like europeans came to the americas and they they found this sort of verdant um, you know what they called wilderness, but really it was it was the subtlety that comes from humility. It was like it was people who had integrated into because they didn't see themselves as dominant over that thing. I mean, I, I can't put myself in the position of those people, obviously, but this is just an idea that I'm I'm toying with uh, to to play on that idea of humility and and what it would look like and what how that would shape a, a culture and a land differently. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I was just at a conference listening to Graham Hancock speak. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Graham Hancock. I'm going to write you? down the name. I don't um, I, know. He, he's, a, he's a historical anthropo- anthropologist. Um, okay. Is that, that sounds right. Is, he's study of, you know, human yeah. civilization, right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, and basically, he's a total black sheep in the sort of um, mainstream narratives of human history. And he just came out with a show that's on Netflix. But I just see him, saw him talk at a conference down in Palm Desert this past weekend. And one of the things that struck me and I walked away with was, you know, he, he's talking about a civilization that was, you know, 12,600 years ago. Um, which is not normal history or not normal anthropology. Um, and right. basically, you know, speaking to what could have been the mysteries of Atlantis, um, but basically giving a scientific explanation of a um, some pieces of a comet hitting an ice ice sheets of uh, during an ice age, which ultimately, flooded and put enough water to bring the oceans up 400 feet and that there was um some pretty sophisticated cultures living um living at um on the on the ocean um on the coastlines while there was still more sort of hunter-gatherer-esque cultures which on some level I was like, that doesn't make sense what, that there would be, you know, th- these different um, degrees of civilization in different parts. But then if I think about it, it's still like that today. There's, you know, there's AI taking over the internet and automatic learning. And there's still the Achuar people living in Peru, you know, living very, very uninterrupted by the, the current culture. So yeah. The fact that there wouldn't be different, um, you know, sort of cultural uh, time frames or levels of sophistication within, you know, cities, philosophy, astrology, architecture, agriculture. Uh, why wouldn't there be? 
Anyways, but uh, there's a, a long tangent to get back to your hum- humility <laughs> piece, which is basically his view on you know why those cultures there was a level of sophistication, but ultimately what happened was they became arrogant and thought they were above you know in the mythology sort of above the gods or above um but i would also say in in a more grounded way that i can relate to now is like above nature that we could dominate that we could you know um genetically modify that we could sort of be above the the ecological functions of life and think that we could kind of manage the whole thing um from Mm -hmm. our minds from our technocrat minds and um that ultimately that was the you know um the one of the mythologies of why that culture essentially got decomposted back into the into into nature (laughs) was they, they, they 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 basically saw themselves as high and mighty and above above the earth and in turn, when they be- felt like they were above the earth, they essentially created the conditions to the, you know, off themselves um, or, or nature off them because they were, you know, essentially being a, a pest versus being a contributing factor to the overall ecosystem. Yeah. And one could say we're at, we're at that point right now of, um, you know, and one could even say that COVID you know, lots of opinions about COVID. Um, but you could also say, you know, that was a, uh, you know, a, a shockwave of, um, biological, um, decomposition of an unhealthy society. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, when, when we, we know that when nature is out of balance, it will take, it'll take itself down to, 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 so that it can create fine balance because if there's an imbalance, it, 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 it oftentimes has a way of, um, you know, ending whatever is out of balance such that it can, it can find more homeostasis, more balance again. So anyways, the, 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 that culture decomposed, um, some could say, you know, we're, not that far away from creating tipping points for where we would decompose our ability to have a, a, a civilization. And then there is sort of this vision that I've been, you know, holding in my heart and mind that there's a more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible. And that is that world is a more harmonious world or, or life in relationship to nature and a more balanced, um, yeah, a more balanced relationship to nature with humans and animals and the living world with this context of regeneration as something that we can implement and start to re or remember how to, to, um, live in the guides of and, operate from and you know when i think about that paradigm shift of you know human beings seeing themselves as part of nature and that we can help revitalize it through our actions and our methods of agriculture 
I get really excited, especially seeing some large examples of how that's being done around the world. And, you know, it gives, it gives a framework for hope and possibility that I think most people um, don't have. Cause, and, and the way I know that is because even though, you know, 10 years ago, I thought I knew a lot about the environment. I thought a lot knew about sustainability. I thought I knew a lot about, you know, the problems of the world. And yet I'd never had seen this, um, system of regeneration and understood, you know, the way that photosynthesis and plants and trees and soils, uh, work and that the way we do agriculture could actually be a, a healing, reviving, restoring system versus the, the current context that it's an extractive system. I have several questions. I think what I, what I'm going to say is does wine have any special power in helping to talk about these things Wait, from your perspective <laughs> i mean i know i know wine is you know it's just this context in which we met and i'm i'm just wondering if you have done have any thoughts about like if wine has any special power in terms as a subject or as a yeah a a absolutely i mean ba basically um, you know, the, the most influential and profitable, um, yeah, the most influential foods are, and, and profitable foods are the, the ones that give us a psychological, um, enhancement. Uh, uh, they, <laughs> they, they, they provide a, uh, a mood elevating experience. They, they, they alter our consciousness. Um, yeah. So. So I would say, yes, I mean, wine, yeah, I, I, I mean, this is what's coming up is like, wine is one of the foods that, especially those who have um, resource and power and influence, um, mm -hmm. appreciate, and they appreciate, yeah. um, they appreciate the story that comes along with them and they like to understand that story and um express that story so i think from just a you know i've i've been on a, a mission to change a, a narrative and change yeah. a context and bring belief to a, a a new or old idea that's being remembered um, right. this idea of regeneration. And so I think wine serves as a really powerful vehicle because it's, um, it brings people into an elevated mood and experience and it, it, it tells a story. It's oftentimes, um, holds a beautiful image on the bottle. Um, and there's, it, it it's a thing that people really appreciate discussing the nuance of um, the subtleties of, and it's interesting. Yeah. Again, I'm having this conversation for the first time um, as far as like these ideas, but um, on some level, we're a little bit as human beings, and this is a way over a generalization, but we're a little bit dense and we're a little bit not <laughs> nuanced in our you know, our thinking and conversation and 
um, I, I think it's interesting just in this moment where I'm thinking about wine and I'm thinking about how people love to talk about the subtleties of it and the 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 all the flavor nuances and all the descriptors that come along with people's experience of wine. Um, and then just the the opportunity for, I mean, wine is in to to just flip back the page to like uh, in regenerative agriculture, um, you know, one of the one of the key distinctions in regenerative food systems is like understanding the difference between perennials and annuals, and perennials being a more um, you know, a more beneficial food system for regenerative agriculture because you're not tilling, um, you're not replanting, you're not, you know, fertilizing, insecticiding, fungiciding um, nearly as much because you're not starting from scratch with a new plant every year and need to take it through its most vulnerable stages uh, to getting to a crop you know, in perennial orchard um, or, or vineyard systems, there's a much more uh, stable perennial system of life that occurs more like a, a forest um, than, uh, you know, a natural environment that's being um, tilled, planted, tilled, planted, fertilized. So right. um, I'd say, yeah, wine... And the opportunity of wine being a really great crop for regenerative agriculture to, and I mean, again, it, it, this is actually another cool insight I'm having in that, you know, when I, I, I you don't even know this maybe, but I, I've, I've been running restaurants in Los Southern California for uh, almost 20 years, um, Northern California and then Southern California with restaurants called Cafe Gratitude and Gracias Madre. And, you know, when I started promoting regenerative agriculture and promoting this idea that our food system and our food choices could be a solution to climate change um, and that we could put the excess carbon in the soil um, and we could heal the soil by, by supporting regenerative agriculture and then in turn supporting more nutrient dense, high quality food. Um, and then I wanted to start putting those ingredients into my restaurants naturally. Um, you know, it was difficult to find sources of farms that were really doing, um, you know, legitimate regenerative agriculture and had an ability, a supply chain that was dependable enough such that I could bring, bring them into my restaurant and, you know, have a consistent story of, you know, some specific ingredients or some specific items on the menu that really um, were reflecting those values and those practices. But wine was actually an area that I could um, bring in and kind of lean on with, uh, uh, with in, a, in a quicker way, because there was, you know, distinctions in the wine already. And not that they weren't in other food ingredients, but you know, the whole biodynamic thing of Rudolf Steiner and, you know, biodynamic agriculture, which really is one of the earliest labels or 
distinctions of regenerative agriculture, you know, that is not as far back as, you know, cultures that were just understanding those, that way of life and integrating it into how they were stewarding and, you know, tending to uh, the land and tending to their landscapes that they were managing, Um, you know, speaking back to more place-based indigenous um, cultures of of the, the past, but in a more recent contemporary time since more conventional agricultures had become the norm, biodynamics was, you know, a, a system of agriculture that really where organic was a list of what you, you know, can't use um, to be organic. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a list of what you um, could do to bring more life to your farm, more biodiversity to your farm, more, um, you know, uh, seeing the whole farm as one living system and be the farmer really managing the farm as one intertied connected um, system. And so biodynamic wine really is, you know, and there's quite a lot of vineyards who have gone down that path, saw wine as uh, the agricultural um, crop and system and product that could have, you know, enough profitability in the margins to be able to do the good land stewardship on the land and would have um, the interested, you know, connoisseurs of wine who really uh, you know, talk about the terroir, the terroir, the, the the quality of the soil, and how that translates into the flavor, and how that totally goes into or makes sense. Um, if you're talking about you know the the nuance of the land and how that land translates into flavor, you probably don't want you know a a bunch of chemicals, you know on that land, then getting into that flavor, then impacting, like just from a experiential sort of, even just the romance of wine, it just does, you know, the, 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 the chemical, the, the chemical or synthetic nitrogen or synthetic inputs don't really um, lend well to the poetry of the appreciating the flavor of wine and the land. And then there's this whole other layer of sort of synthetic input that you know ends up in your wine that i don't think it 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 is intuitively um works within the 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 more romantic and more nuanced appreciation for what wine is the quality of flavor the savoring of it the appreciating of the nuance and where that came from. And so I think in our minds, we intuitively don't want those, um, yeah. those chemicals yeah. and inputs. We, we want that natural taste and flavor where I don't think we care to think about it that much when we're having a salad or we're having a burger or we're having a piece of toast. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're less connected to, um, that full system 
than we when we are one. I mean, this is again, this is my kind of assessment. It's not nothing. Yeah. Factual yeah. per se, no, it's, but it's just. It's, no, there's a lot of good stuff. I was laughing because I was, I was envisioning, you know, like a sommelier taking a sip of wine and being like, yeah, I, you know, delicious notes of cherry, lavender, and glyphosate, you know. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. It just doesn't quite jive, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> You know, and it's funny, it, wine is one of those things where it's like we, as you're thinking about that, I was thinking about, you know, you're talking about lettuce and toast and stuff like that. It's like most people don't stop and say, what does this toast taste like? You know, like it's like we only say that about wine. We, we're just like toast tastes like toast. Lettuce tastes like lettuce, you know, um, like wine is one of those things where you're asked to stop and actually sort of you know, analyze it and break it down into smaller components that you can, you know, metaphorize, you know, like that you can, and that there is that, that nuance that you're talking about. That is this, the special thing that I think is, is both fun and entertaining and interesting, but also lends itself to all these things that you're saying about why it's, why it can be a good vehicle. Um, Thanks for all that. Thanks for, <laughs> I really appreciate your thoughts as were, that was, that was nice. I, I, I love the idea, you know, that yes, like it seems that we also need to move more toward a perennial form of agriculture. You know, we were just talking about um, that book, uh, Restoration Agriculture, which is all about that, but oh, yeah, you know, it, right. yeah, yeah, this, this idea that, you know, the, the food systems uh, that are present in a living ecosystem without us here are are mostly perennial like they like if 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 there was some disturbance or if we went away for a hundred years those same things would come back and they would still be there you know they'd be they would have changed you know things have filled in different you know there may be new new varieties of them but these are things that this this that landscape that ecology would have perpetuated um indefinitely it wouldn't you you know, whereas if you planted a cornfield and then came back in a hundred years, there wouldn't be no corn, most likely. Um, and and wine is like that too. You know, you can plant a vine and and potentially come back in a hundred years and find lots more vines. You know, it's it's happened quite a bit. I've been part of finding things like that. You know, old vineyards here in Southern California, even where you know the the somebody planted a vineyard and you know and then it was abandoned for 80 years and you come back and that vineyard found a way to like just keep going and then you know the branches lay down in the soil and put out their own roots and new vines sprout up in this sort of you know natural propagation where way and it just spreads out and now you have new yeah and then seeds drop from the clusters that were hanging and have sprouted into new vines and you know if it's if it's planted in the right spot it, it you know, it just regenerates and, and propagates and, and creates new things. And, and some of those new things are, you know, really interesting. And, and if they've survived under neglect, they might be even better than the original thing that was planted there. Um, you, I, I, I was just tangenting on your thoughts there too, but, you know, I, I noticed something else from what you were saying that I wanted to go back to. It's this sort of um, bipolar aspect that i think probably it sounds like you live in and that i know i live in so i can only you know speak for myself but it's this on the one hand wanting to have a lot of hope and then 
on the other hand, seeing the realities um, that are around us. And yeah, I, I, you know, I just rewatched kiss the ground before talking to you just to, just to, uh, you know, have it fresh in my mind. And I wrote down this quote from one of the guys, um, the way that we're feeding ourselves is undermining the very ecology that we are dependent on. And, yeah, you know, it's the, yeah. yes. Yeah. And it's that idea. Yeah. I mean, that's the idea, uh, whether it's feeding with, you know, foodstuffs or feeding with wine, um, in large part, this is what we're doing, and we see that. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I guess there's a, there's a two part question I want to ask you. One is, I know you've talked a lot about uh, sacred economics or sacred commerce, and I know that what you've tried to embody with Cafe Gratitude, which you know, if anybody hasn't been to Cafe Gratitude or Gracias Madre, I'm just putting them up there as some of the best restaurants in in Los Angeles where I live um, and my favorite place to go because you guys have done this great job of, of making incredible tasting food that's incredibly carefully made. And you know, you know, you, it's great to go to a place unlike everywhere else where there's care put into the provenance of those ingredients. It's not just like trying to, you know, like, run a business where you're getting the the cheapest available thing to make the biggest profit off of selling it. Um, and, and then it's also, I mean, it's just really amazingly interesting food. I didn't mean this to be an advertisement for Cafe Gratitude, but you know, great wines, great food and affordable price. And, and with, with care given to, you know, where you're sourcing the ingredients from and a lot of really cool ingredients that are unique as well. Um, I say all that to really just set up the question of this idea that you obviously you are embodying a business. Uh, you're you're working in a business world. It's a successful business. It's a successful restaurant. I hope. I mean, I hope it still is uh, for you. And I'm wondering if you can sort of talk about a how do you maintain hope and you know, deal with this sort of bipolar aspect of, of being, having dark knowledge, but needing to look to the light. Um, and then how, I, th I think it relates, and that's why I make it a two-part question, but feel free to answer this in any way you want. But how to, how to, how to run a business in a business-oriented world, you know, you know, I'm, I'm going to use a winery business, for example, since that's relevant to this conversation, but how, how to do that in a way that embodies this idea of sacred commerce and and looks to the light yeah how's how's that for a massive question for you that's a that's a massive one <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah you know so many layers right um you know cafe gratitude has been around for uh almost 20 years um yeah. and it's been um, you know, it's had it's had its ebbs and flows, and it's had its. Um, but you know, I think, and and honestly, you know, right now, restaurant business in California is very difficult. Um, yeah. With just the lots of regulations, raising costs, more people purchasing food through Uber Eats and them taking 30% off the mm. top and restaurants don't even, you know, have that, those kind of margins. So in many right. cases, the, 
you know, what's becoming the biggest part of our business is a part of business that's not profitable. Um, right. And then, you know, within the, within the, you know, um, vaporizing margins, the, you know, the, the commitment to integrity of, you know, what we're doing, uh, and you know, what we're sourcing, uh, yeah, right. Very, makes it all the harder. Yeah. Very, very difficult. Um, because, um, you know, it, it's very difficult when margins are thin to take the risk of, um, you know, paying unnecessarily more for things because they represent a greater value or a greater, greater values or, um, you know, and I would say that over the 20 years of Cafe Gratitude, we started as a, you know, a, a level of innocence and a level of commitment to this idea of serving the highest quality, best ingredient, clean, organic food. And, you know, the, the difficulty is scaling something and maintaining the, the, the human, you know, you can scale technology. Um, that's easy to scale, but to scale, um, human and nature, nature connected systems is a difficult thing and maybe not even a meant to happen thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so this idea that, you know, just, uh, things, things need to get, you know, bigger and bigger. Um, you know, my, in my experience, the more, the less I became connected to the, the people, um, the vendors specifically, you know, the farms, you know, the more compromise would just naturally happen. Um, because you became less connected to the people's lives that you were either impacting positively or negatively by either being their vendor or serving them a specific ingredient that you knew about was made with such love and care um, and the joy of being able to see someone get that and receive that and be delighted by that. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I now live on a little homestead in Fillmore, California, uh, next to my sister's farm, which is so heart farm, which is a 17 acre farm that, um, has a CSA box program, um, that you can get regenerative organic produce delivered to LA and, you know, you know, we're doing you know, we're also taking all the compost from all of Molly's restaurants from Sage Vegan Bistro in LA and bringing that to the farm to create healthy soil. And, um, but, you know, one of the challenging things is like, you know, she has, you know, the, the conflict, she, she, she started the farm to be able to take the compost and supply ingredients for her restaurants. And yet 
because the margins are so thin in her restaurants, her managers are incentivized to buy the cheapest produce possible and in turn oftentimes will not even want to purchase her own produce from her own farm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this is, yeah, I, I, I mean, I can say I'm right there with you in terms of winery costs in Los Angeles as well. I, I, I'm, I'm at the point where I don't think it's actually viable. Um, you know, I think it's like just, you know, not in a scalable way anyway. Like, I mean, you can, you can in small ways, you know, make it make sense, but yeah, to, to, to grow a business, um, there's a huge upfront cost, first of all, to set something up and then there are ongoing, you know, rent costs and things like that that are really, really high. Um, regulations are really strict and weirdly strict. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to, to consider what might become a my winery in the future as well. Um, where, where does that leave you? Yeah. With, with what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I've stepped out of the restaurant business a couple years ago to just focus on my advocacy gotcha. education and the nonprofit because got it. one, it was like the thing, the mission that was put on my heart and the thing I was tasked with, tasked with from sort of a higher calling and well i love the restaurants and they've been amazing and uh and there's aspects of it that i totally miss there was there was a yeah that i felt there was yeah there was a higher calling to my life to be a uh, a messenger, evangelist, an advocate, an educator for regenerative agriculture and having that becoming a, a cultural, culturally adopted idea and concept and, 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 and sort of desire for what the culture wanted. Um, and so I've focused there versus, you know, being in the you know, the, the trenches of running the restaurants over the last yeah. in the way that I have over the last 15 years. Um, so, so, uh, so yeah, go ahead. So, you know, that, that's just sort of my current paradigm personally, you know, I'm still an owner and a partner in the restaurant business in Los Angeles. And, you know, it, it honestly, we don't, it's it's a diff we're 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 looking into a grim we don't we're we're looking into like um we don't have the answer to sort of get ourselves um you know get our get ourselves into a a better rhythm or context where the 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 the, the overall operating ecosystem is healthy and well and can take care of itself, take care of its employees, take care of, you know, the suppliers that right now it's kind of like, it feels a little bit like a race to the bottom, um, which is you yeah. know a little bit depressing to admit and share, but that is, yeah. that is a, a current, a, a current experience of doing business in the size scale 
and format that we've been doing it in 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 Los Angeles over the last you know twelve years. Yeah, yeah. Well, even more um, than I guess that I, I am really curious what you do for to maintain hope or to maintain. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say optimism, but yeah. You know, what do you look to in terms of, um, I know, I mean, I know regenerative agriculture is its own form of hopeful uh, thing. And maybe that's the focus that you give, but is there, you know, is there, uh, what else do you do in terms of yeah, that? Thank you. Um, you know, uh, I, I would say that, In, in in the material world, the things that give me hope are being present with my son and um, seeing the the joy, the innocence, the exuberance, the the beauty um, that he is. Um, so just the you know the the joy and the hope of seeing that being um, emerge and coming to this world with, um, yeah, with 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 such uh, newness and optimism and um, innocence, um, yeah, and so and then so that's 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 one thing. Uh, the other thing is. Um, you know, I've, I've had, I've had the blessed opportunity of, um, experiencing, um, you know, plant medicine ceremonies, um, with the plant medicine ayahuasca and the, the thing that I always come back to is that love is this perennial truth and it is at the center and is at the origin of consciousness and of humanity and so i've been i've been saying ask me why i'm optimistic and and i say you know because love and regeneration are perennial truths that after after it's all said and done, where it will end up going is the, the, there will be a return to the consciousness of love and there will be a return to ecological regeneration. Mm. And it may not, you know, it, it may, we may face, you know, major global, I mean, we already are, um, catastrophes and there may be uh, but I think to have faith that there is a, a higher power, that there is a, um, a divinity, there is a, con- a, con- a, a conscious intelligence of, uh, love and creation that has allowed for this remarkable, beautiful expression of life to emerge and that at some point 
we will be reabsorbed into this um, beautiful, benevolent experience of oneness, and and that that there's a level of faith in that in the in the end 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 in the end 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 um, we return to a a wholeness that is an interconnected experience of uh, love. And so it's a, it's, it's more of a spiritual, um, a spiritual faith and a spiritual um, connection that allows me to operate in the material world um, with, more buoyancy, hope, and possibility. Um, I think it's, I think it's really um, worth noting that you know you 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 mentioned some of that. The vision of that came from from a plant uh, concoction, ayahuasca. You know that came yeah. from plants. I think that's really important to point out. Um, yeah, I, I, I've actually had the the very explicit clear thought that the context of society coming back to a regular occurrence of ceremony and the ingesting of plant medicines is a very very strategic design that recognizes that human consciousness and the consciousness of uh, or sort of the the ego's interruption in consciousness of mm -hmm. thinking about the self and thinking about me my um, as separate and not thinking about the we and the 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 the, the, the whole that the 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 there was an, an intelligent design which said all right no matter where you are, who you are, there will be a, a cultural amnesia of disconnection from nature, from the earth, um, and and to, 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 to safeguard against that, let's um, put a annual, semi-annual experience of engagement with such plants that have us be humbled to our knees in our insignificance and yet our connection to this greater intelligence that we belong to. And then from that hum humility and that connection, we're then invited to stand up and walk and do and be and create from that space of... Um, honor and respect and reverence and care and love for life that then translates into a different model of you know thinking and business and operating systems that um that uh you know that 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 then you know create a different culture a different world yeah well said yeah I love that idea. 
I just wanted to ask you a final question. And maybe maybe it's not even a final question, but the night that we met, I got a couple bottles of Kiss the Ground wine, I think. Is that true? Is there wine that is uh, that yeah. Kiss the Ground is part I, is doing? I, I wish I could I wish we were on video and I could hold one up to the camera, but yeah. Pinot yeah. <laughs> Noir 2018, Kiss the Ground, um Willamette Valley. Yeah, yeah, the Willamette, yeah, Willamette Valley, um, Brooks Wine, um, uh, Peace Bread Land Wine, Brooks Wine, nineteen ninety eight. Um, nice, yeah, they, yes. They are um, in, I think, Southern Oregon, right? Southern Oregon. That Oregon. sounds right. Yep. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, they. They are part of the 1% for the planet um, group of brands, and they're also uh, a Demeter-certified vineyard. And, um, and they loved the advocacy, education work that we were doing, and they offered to be a, you know, a brand partner and if we want to do a collaborative label and uh, a kiss the ground label. And um, we said, of course, we'd love to. And again, back to, you know, it, it's one of my favorite gifts to give is this yeah. beautiful bottle of wine that carries the message of kiss the ground, um, which again is, is subtle and direct and, has many layers to the meaning um and then it's a really really beautiful tasting pinot noir which i think you know um sometimes when the when the story around something is so big or important and then maybe like the product isn't actually that good but it's really fun when the story and the 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 conversation around something is really great and has a, a beautiful meaning and narrative and then the, the the taste is also like equally as good as the story around it and uh yeah and so yeah people can uh order um a pinot noir kiss the ground or um we have a white do you have the white or you have the red i think i have one of each actually because we got because <laughs> wendy got one and i got the other um yeah, so the white, so I mean, they're they're both phenomenal um, wines. The white is, um, I think it's a it's a combination of grapes, but I think it's Riesling is one of the strong or like the the prominent. Um, I'm looking. It actually doesn't. It just says a it's a it's a white wine from 2021. Um, but yeah, it's it's. A, what's that? I was just going to say, are these available uh, for if somebody listening wanted to to get get a bottle of one of these totally, or both? Yeah. So you can you can order them on brookswine.com, but actually I'd recommend and would request you go to kisstheground.com and go to the store there and you can purchase them um, directly there. That would be the best place to do it. Uh, Very cool. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's actually a really great way to end, um, 
and <laughs> people to Great. go and try um, one of these beautiful um, white wines that, uh, or white or red wines that support the advocacy education work of Kiss the Ground, the nonprofit, and enjoy, you know, as good of wines as I've ever, ever tasted. Um, and they're grown here, um, yeah, on the West Coast. Uh, and yeah, they're phenomenal. So you haven't opened them and tried them yet, Adam? No, no, because you know I'm like I'm, I'm a professional drinker, so I've I my my drinking schedule is very busy, and so it's usually when I get a new bottle, it's like months till I can slot it into my drinking schedule. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> literally, it's it's kind of nuts. I have to I have to like schedule in breaks too, otherwise I'll drink every day and it becomes a little unhealthy. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to them now too. I wish I could have said that I tried them and they're delicious, um, but I, I, I'm sure they will be. Um, are there, are there any other things besides kiss the ground.com where you'd like to send people for more info or, or to get involved? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, kiss, kiss the ground really we're we're building a, um, a movement around regenerative agriculture and advocacy for soil health and regenerative agriculture. And so, you know, we have lots of ways for people to get involved. Um, you know, follow us uh, at, at kisstheground.com. I mean, at kisstheground on Instagram. Um, we have a really beautiful educational thread that has a lot of, you know, well thought out curated content that's around education and advocacy for farmers, ranchers, uh, vineyards that are doing you know the sort of best in class regenerative agricultural uh practices and so you know check us out there um if you're interested in learning more and uh using your voice and your influence to be an advocate for regenerative agriculture we have an amazing course called the soil advocacy training um which is an uh eight hours of content kind of like a master class on-demand course um, for soil advocacy that has, you know, everything from ranchers, farmers, soil scientists, doctors, you know, communicating, you know, all the different layers and, and aspects of soil health and regenerative agriculture and why it's important and empowering you to really be a great communicator about this topic. Um, and then we also have a regenerative gardening um, course um, called Regenerative Gardening. So if you're wanting to apply the principles of regenerative ag to a a small kind of backyard um, level of participation um, and engagement, we have a couple courses that could be really great for you that are also on-demand courses on the Kiss the Ground website. And then, you know, we're, we're launching or we launched in May of this past year a really exciting initiative and campaign called regenerate america soils are common ground and it's a bipartisan um coalition of a hundred organizations brands ngos conservation groups farming groups that are aligning around soil is a very important place to um to to find common ground and can we um put enough public pressure and enough specific pressure to specific congressional offices that we can uh, rewrite the 2023 Farm Bill and 
um, increase spending from 1% on soil health to maybe 5% on soil health, which would ultimately lead to, you know, upwards of 40 plus billion dollars of spending to incentivize and encourage um, farmers, ranchers, um, viticulturists to have access and funding to help make the transition from the conventional um, con conventional uh, paradigm of agriculture to a more soil-centered regenerative agriculture. And so we're asking for That's people great. to sign on, sign you know, with their signatures. It's it's somewhat of a, a petition. Uh, we're gathering signatures to show the degree of support for this initiative. And I think we have over ten thousand so far. We're you know we got a long way to go. Um, but we're that's that's on the Kiss the Ground website. Uh, that's if you go to Kiss the Ground and then uh, on the top top tab, it's called Regenerate America. Is the is the initiative the coalition initiative? Um, and so just go to regenerateamerica.com or kisstheground.com and then click the regenerateamerica.com right. and then sign on the Take sign action, on yeah. to be a supporter of the initiative. Great, um, love that. I'm doing it now. Thank you. That's great. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, that's fantastic. I yeah, I love that. Uh, there's, so there's a wealth. I mean, it's it's like the website is uh, not just you know about. The, I mean, it's a it's a it's it's got a broad scope and it's deep and it's and it's great. And and obviously, if if anybody listening hasn't seen Kiss the Ground the movie, please do. It's on Netflix. So still up. I watched it today. It's I forgot how moving it was. I got all choked up at the end. You know, just watching it. Um, it's really, I mean, just seeing these people who care so deeply uh, and know, you know, what's at stake really and know what the realities are that in, in the world right now and seeing them, the, the way that they get moved by the importance of the message that you're spreading is really, uh, it was, it was, it was fantastic. I mean, it's really, it's moving and, and telling and yeah. Uh, so thanks for doing all of that work that you're doing. Ryland, and thanks for doing this interview. I really appreciate your time and thoughts. Yeah, I'm just grateful for the experience of being connected to a conversation, connected to a uh, you know thoughts and ideas, and um, feeling present with the the things that are being said, and 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 just connected to them. So thanks for guiding the conversation in a great way and. Um, allowing it to go where it went and I hope that it was uh, meaningful and valuable and there was something that the, those that listen will glean from it. Likewise. I'm, I'm pretty good.